0: Splendid blessed day and a warm welcome to the Grey at Cafe brought to you by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus is a communications consultancy focused on engineering, infrastructure, and sustainability. With you today is Inji Musa, political scientist and teaching associate at the University of Cambridge, and I'm very pleased as always to be accompanied by Mr. Anthony Haynes, creative director of Frontinus. Greetings, Mr. Anthony.
1: Greetings, Inji.
0: In today's episode, we address what I personally think represents a common issue or a point of struggle for many content creators of grey literature, which is overwriting. In particular, we are interested in examining why does overwriting matter, when and why does it arise, and more importantly, perhaps, what are we do about it. So before we get too deep into this topic I'm interested to in hearing from you Dr Anthony about the place of overwriting in the field of grey literature and in, in other words like it relevance basically to the aims and scope of our podcast.
1: Yes well greetings Inji. I think um, many grey literature texts are governed by limits either word limits or page limits, often in the case of reports for instance, it's page limits. Um and therefore you have to cut your cloth according to the limit. And with presentations it's not usually word limits, it's usually time limits, but the same principle applies. So I think limitation explicit limits is one reason. I would say another um reason why this topic relates to to the to, to the aim for podcasts is the problem of overwriting is particularly prevalent with certain types of gray literature. And I'm going to mention in particular dissertations and theses where you know it's so common if someone has let's say fifteen thousand words as a limit maximum limit for a dissertation. It's so common for people to convince themselves that it can't be done and they they set off and to write twenty twenty five thousand words and then they've got a problem
0: okay. So why do you you think, and I I believe we should think as well, that overwriting is a problem?
1: Well, the first explanation is simply that it's a waste of time. In other words, supposing you've overwritten by 5,000 words, well, then you have to delete 5,000 words, don't you? Well, what a waste of time it was to write the 5,000 words that no one's going to see. I think that's a waste of time. And I would liken it to... If I asked you to build me a house and I said, Ingie, hey, I'd like you to build me a house, it's two I want it to be two stories high and I want it to have four bedrooms. And if you built a four-story house with 16 bedrooms and then knocked, you know, two stories down, well what a waste of time that was. I think similarly it's a waste of energy because I talk about deleting thousands of words, but actually it's usually not that simple. I mean normally you can't just press delete. But when in taking words out, you find you've got to rewrite the stuff that's left in. And that requires mental energy. And incidentally, people hate doing this. It causes misery having to do this. And then I'd say thirdly, there's a problem in a disguised form. In other words, many more people suffer from overwriting than realise that they do. So what happens is, supposing they think within a certain uh, scope of a document, they've got to cover 10 points. And in order to make that fit the word limit, they can only cover those points somewhat superficially, you know, descriptively rather than analytically or critically, say. Well, that's a real problem. You just end out of a superficial document. Whereas if you'd actually set out only to cover five points... You could have gone into them in more depth. I mean, you can either use words to create depth or breadth. You can't can't do both. So sometimes people that stick within word limits actually do it by by dint of being too superficial, uh, and that is what I would call a disguised problem of overwriting.
0: Interesting. So if I may rephrase a bit, so you kind of highlighted two categories of problems here. One of them is the quality of life of the writers, which is like the waste of time, waste of energy, and then mm. the quality of the mm. work itself which is how they kind of try to cover yeah. many things instead of actually going in depth into one thing. So seeing how these are like yes qu- quite serious and, and, and severe problem for some people, really. So why do you think that overwriting just occurs again and again and again?
1: Well, I actually think there's a multiplicity of reasons, which is one of the reasons why it's difficult to tackle. So one reason or or group of reasons is to do with um, people somehow misconceiving the project and, and seeing it as bigger than it really is. So there are two aspects to that. One is an emotional reason, which is, let's say someone is doing a master's degree and they've made a real sacrifice to do it, and they're doing it on a topic they're really interested in, and they are really excited about the opportunity of working out what they think about something and writing something that someone else is going to read about it, and maybe they're at a top class university and they think, "Wow, you know this is this is amazing um and perhaps they're the first person in their family to reach that stage of education. All these things make them think wow this is this is my big moment." And as a result, they often sort of bite off some more than they can chew and and actually start writing something that really needs to be a book rather than a dissertation. And then the other aspect of that thinking of doing something that's too big is that they take on a task where the scope is overambitious. So uh, let me give you an example. Uh, I work on a course in construction engineering. And you get a student who might want to write about the opportunities for greater use of prefabricated building and and the barriers the things stopping at happening so they say i want to write about the opportunities and barriers and i'll say why do you want to do both because that's an awful lot to put into one essay or one dissertation isn't it so they might say okay yeah let's cut it down you're right let's cut it down let's just do barriers and i'll say why do you want to do barriers plural well, how about you do one barrier, like um, aspects to do with training requirements, for example? Well, OK, that might be a dissertation title at one, at one stage. Even then, you might want to narrow it down further and say, how about doing one aspect of one barrier? And when you get down to that stage, you're probably at the right kind of level. So the things that cause problems are the word and... Right. I want to do opportunities and barriers. No, you don't. Just do one. And the plurals. I want to write about barriers. No, you don't. Write about one. Those are the things that make people set off trying to do too okay, much.
0: Interesting. So aside from this like positive, ambitious personality problems, what other things maybe on the a bit negative like that could actually make people um, <laughs> fall into this overwriting problem
1: well there are a couple that i put under the heading of mm. poor management so one is to do with lack of budgeting you see most people say they're writing a grey literature white paper or a report or something like that most people will write a plan they don't just sit down and start writing they, they, they write a plan but very often what they don't do is put any quantitative information any numbers on the plan and I think you should so it might be numbers of pages for each section. It might be numbers of words for each section, but put some numbers on so you can make it sure it's going to add up to the right kind of figure. I'll just say a word there about what numbers you put on. When people do actually put numbers on, they typically put word count on. And I'm not sure for most writers, word count is very intuitive. I mean, if I said to you, I'd like you to write 1,750 words on something, Well, I think for most writers, they don't have an intuitive grasp of what that feels like or what it looks like. So it may actually be better to budget in terms of numbers of sentences for each section of your text or even number of paragraphs. That's somehow more intuitive for people. But the important thing is put some numbers on the plan. And then the second aspect of poor management is um, a lack of monitoring and reviewing. So let's say you're writing a report and for the first section, you've allowed yourself 1200 words, and you sit down and write, and it comes out at 1800 words. So you've gone over a limit. What do you do about it? Well, I think what you should do about it is first of all, realize you've written too much, and then secondly, make a decision. And essentially, you can only do two things. You can either think, I shouldn't have overwritten, I'm going to delete those words, extra words, or, well, now I need to make something else shorter because I've used the words in one place, so I can't use them in another those are your only two decisions and I'm saying don't be hapless about it. make a decision don't just carry on and then find at the end that you've got this massive headache review it and deal with it as you go along
0: yeah that's 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 very helpful one thing that have been like I noticed with many people um those who include other people into their review process sometime uh people could like other people could contribute to this overriding problem so what would you say about mm. this, and how does it actually happen? So people could be more cautious.
1: Okay, this is a very widespread cause. So you will write a draft and pass it around to people and say, you know, could you could you make some suggestions, please? And what happens most of most of the time is people think of things to add and they say, oh, how about this? Oh, you could take this. You could go on and explore this point, or you, you, you could give this example as well, or you could put this in. And here's another. Paper that you could cite and so on, and they keep thinking of things that you can add. And it's all very well intentioned and it might indeed be helpful, but it's a problem, isn't it? Because then you've got to take something out. So, what I would say is when you get people making suggestions about what you should add or could add, always say to them, Yeah, okay, thank you, that's a really helpful idea. I I'd entertain that, but then I'm going to have to cut something out. Could you make a suggestion about what I could cut out or what I could cut down, please, and see if they will help you slim down the rest of the text? It kind of of blends into... I'm not sure if this is another point or the kind of a version of the point I've just made. It's what I call a mentioning mentality. You hear this a lot. People say, oh, you could mention this. You could mention that. Well, mentioning... Is a pretty superficial activity, isn't it? You don't usually achieve very much by just mentioning things, except in the acknowledgements where you mention people who've helped you. So, but it adds to the word count, mentioning this and mentioning that. So, when you get people looking at your text and saying, you know, you've written a report and they say, oh, you could mention this, you could mention that, most of the time it's better just to think, yeah, well, I could mention it, but I probably won't.
0: That's kind of. I hope it was as (laughs) easier, easily said and done. But um, maybe one thing I wish to hear from you as well in this point, uh -uh, like on the theme of why overwriting um, our bias is. Yeah. The idea of m- mm. mindset as well. So we kind of shared some psychological mm. thing like excitement or, uh, or inability to, to narrow it down professionally or properly from the beginning. Um, but some people, and I, I must admit, uh, sometimes I fall within this camp of people, like we see it as inevitable. Sometimes you're just like, this is how it is. Uh, like we basically the misery episode that you shared earlier mm. is unavoidable. Mm. So what, how, how would you like approach this mentality?
1: I'm certain that's a major cause. You've put your finger on something very common. And you know what happens is someone says, oh, I've written more than I meant to. And other people around them say, oh, I did that as well. It always happens. It always happens. And the implication is it's kind of a natural law of the universe. Human beings are just subject to this problem and and it's impossible to do anything about it. And that's all nonsense, isn't it? The fact that most people... Or a lot of people encounter this problem doesn't mean it's in, inevitable or insoluble. So you have to be honest with yourself. I think if you are telling yourself, "Oh, well, I'm overwriting. There's nothing that can be done about it," I have to be honest and say that that is simply lazy thinking.
0: Well, that's very harsh. <laughs> okay, so okay, okay, so aside from me having to to kind of heal from <laughs> this punch after that, hopefully, yeah. <laughs> so. Like, to be fair, you you definitely, Professor, highlighted a series of very important reasons that explain how and why overwriting happened. And some of them might be easier to manage than others, and I have to say that. Uh, But if we were to take Hmm. a more holistic view at the issue of overwriting, what would would be your approach to avoid and occasionally even resist overwriting?
1: Okay, so I think to some extent I've touched on them, but it'd be useful to summarise them. But let me say a word in advance there's definitely some ways not to deal with this problem. So often the way people try and deal with it is by inventing workarounds. Mm. So I'll give you an example. Um, <laughs> one of my friends worked in a company where she had to enter product information in a database. And the database had very strict word limits. And so what she used to do was hyphenate words more or less at random because then it counted the hyphenated words as one word, not two.
0: That's very smart. Well, I mean, I'm sorry to say that's that. That's just
1: nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's quite ingenious, but it doesn't really communicate, does it? So that's not the right right answer. Um, I remember one very, very intelligent researcher who had done a huge amount of case studies. And to try to get them all within the confines of a the thesis, she started tabulating things rather than writing things out in prose. But she was a good prose writer. And so actually all that happened was you came up with these tables that were ugly and difficult to interpret. So that's a workaround and that's not that, that's not the way to do it, because you're not really facing up to the fundamentals of the problem. So okay, ways of doing it. First of all, the conceptualization has to be right. In other words, look at the, revisit the conceptualization to make sure that it's not driving you towards too big a treatment of things. So ask yourself what what problem is this text, this report or whatever, trying to help solve? What's the question you're trying to answer? And what is the goal or aim of writing it? And try to define that precisely and then look at it and think, is that actually achievable within the confines of this kind of text? And it may be you need to rethink things at that level. And cognitively, that can be a difficult thing to do. But it's really worth doing because if that saves you the labour and the angst of overwriting, that's a good win. I think in in addition to that is the idea I've mentioned earlier, which is either a word budget or a paragraph budget or um, a sentence budget. One way or another, put some budgets on onto your plan it's if you've got a co-author it's really worth doing that together because you might often find you've got completely different ideas of how long a section will take and then i think there's another idea that i mentioned earlier which is monitoring and reviewing things so see how it's going as you go along and where you see a problem developing with word count as i said earlier make a decision about it either edit down what you've already done or work out a way of doing subsequent uh, Uh, parts in more concisely or leaving some subsequent part out altogether. And then there's another set of solutions that I haven't mentioned yet to do with editing. So really, you've got two types of editing that you can do to solve this problem. One is verbal or stylistic editing, where you actually read through your text sentence by sentence, and you cut out words here and there. Okay. Now, again, when people have a overwriting problem this is actually quite a common solution that they try and the good thing about it is it does work to some extent you you can usually reduce the word count by doing you know sentence by sentence verbal editing and often you make it a bit better actually like the quality becomes more more succinct as well but there's a real problem relying just on that method and the problem is it's hugely time consuming going through something every one sentence at a time and often the savings are not very great. So I reckon as a rule of thumb, editing the style might save you something like 2% of the words. So if you're 10% over, that's not going to solve it for you. It might contribute to it. The other type of editing, which is the type of editing I happen to enjoy doing and i often employed to do actually, is the structural editing. And the structural editing is when you make big, bold decisions, right? So this is when you say, that case study is coming out. Or I've chosen to write about three topics in my discussion section. And actually, I'm only going to talk about two topics, okay? or I've reviewed four bodies of literature and I can't get them all in. So it's going to have to be three bodies of literature where you make real structural decisions about, and the great thing there is you lop hundreds or thousands of words out of something at a stroke. And that's so much easier than trying to create lots of workarounds. So I think those are the, like, those basically are the solutions. Okay.
0: A lot to, uh, <laughs> to try to fit to the test, I would say. And, Again, for those who are listening and are thinking like, "Mm, to what extent is this feasible? I must say that from a writer point of view, which is that me here in this episode... It, it seems very difficult and it seems quite challenging. But again, this mm. is where trust comes in. And, uh, like seeing how short is my writing experience is comparing to that long <laughs> expertise and, uh, and experience of Dr. Anthony. I must say that I, 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 trust what you say and I definitely, um, think it's worth considering. And again, maybe it's one at a time. So trying one thing and then building up from that. Mm. Because if mm. you try to cover everything you said, yeah. I think, I'm gonna fall into the inevitable camp straight away. <laughs> so
1: yeah, yeah. Well, these things are difficult, and um I think your idea of one thing at a time. I think it's good to try and simplify all this stuff. And uh, I think really you, you, you can simplify it down to two points. Okay, and any there might be economists listening to this podcast, and any economist will be familiar with a notion of opportunity costs, which is basically if you spend some resource doing one thing, you can't spend the same unit of resource doing another thing. All right. And so that applies here, doesn't it? If you spend half an hour re- uh, writing something that you then delete, well, you could have spent the half an hour doing something else. If out of a um, thousand words, you've devoted 200 words to, to something you can't use the same 200 words for something else so there's a cost to everything you're doing so that's the first thing and then i think the second essential is the attitudinal one of avoid saying to yourself it's just in the way of the world and it's inevitable and there's nothing to be done about it and actually adopt a kind of uh, proactive approach of saying this is a nonsense i'm gonna i'm going to be the person that doesn't have this problem
0: thank you very much professor uh... <laughs> <laughs> I got quite a lot to take in, uh, but uh, but again, I'm very grateful for all the tips you shared with us today, and um, you made it in a way realistic. Although for uh, for some people, um, it it always seems unrealistic. <laughs> but I'm very grateful, and thank you so much for such an insightful episode today. Thank you very much, Professor.
1: Oh, thank you, Inji. I've, I've very much uh, in, enjoyed discussing, and I think it's a, a really important topic for people to try and nail. Thank so thank you.
0: This was Inji Musa with Anthony Haynes. Grey Lead Cafe is edited by Dr. Bart Holmark and produced by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus specializes in grey literature forms, such as proposals, publications, papers, and reports. Frontinus helps creators of grey literature to achieve high-quality professional outputs and to be more productive. To discuss your grey literature needs and to see how Frontinus can help, you can contact Frontinus via their website, frontinus.org.uk. There is a link in the show notes. The music is from Handel's Water Music, courtesy of the United States Marine Band and Marine Chamber Orchestra.